Well, good morning and welcome to Barrel Life Church. Look at the person beside and say, hey, I'm glad you're here today. Go ahead and tell them, say, I'm glad you are here today. I'm telling you, know why? Everybody got an extra hour of sleep, so should we be here to worship and have a good time? And I'm gonna just go take a second. Welcome everybody to our Gracing Campus. If this is your first time, first time in a long time, we are at one church in two locations, and we've been praying about, potentially about even expanding that, and we've had an incredible opportunity to uh, merge with the church, potentially there in the Ashland area, and be, and to start a Barrel Life campus in the Boyd County, the Ashland area. And so I'm actually continuing to meet with their launch team tonight. And so I'm really excited about that. And so as a church family, keep praying about that for God to keep giving us wisdom, the sermon as he continues to open up doors. And if you know anybody in the Boyd County, Ashland area who wants to be part of that and see Barrel Life Church campus there in that area, we would love to talk with you. And uh, speaking of worship, tonight we get to have our very own, for our very first here, night of worship at Barrel Life Church. And I am so excited about that because our entire worship team is gonna be up here leading us in worship. And that's really the main focus. This is coming, this is singing and sing praises and worship to the Lord. And, and if you wanna be part of that, you can invite anybody you want. It's gonna be right here at six o'clock at this campus. I know you heard about that, but I'm just really excited about it. And can we just, at both of our locations, our worship team are phenomenal. Can we get it for our worship? team. I mean, this every Sunday, all the work and effort they put in to lead us as a community of faith to the throne of Jesus, it's just amazing. And my heart goes out to them, and I'm so thankful that God has brought them here to Better Life Church. So come on, get your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we finish up the I Am series. I've really enjoyed this. I hope God has used it in your life. I've never preached through the I am's before, the seven statements that John makes as he writes in the book of John. And so it's been very fun. It's been good to study it and just learn and God applying it to my own life. And so I'm really super thankful for that. And today we finish it. So if you've missed it or you haven't been part of it, obviously we have them online. You could go back and watch. But uh, I'm gonna do a really quick recap. The Israelites were in bondage and they were been in bondage for 400 years. God heard their cries and God says, now it's time to go get my people. And so God appears to Moses in the back of a desert in a burning bush. Now, you may not have been around church before, but you heard maybe about Moses and probably about a burning bush. And so God speaks to Moses and says, hey, I want you to go and, and get my people. And uh, Moses says, well, when I go, they're gonna ask me what God is it? Because there's all these little G gods and all these gods compete. What God, what do I tell them? What is your name? And, and God makes a statement, I am who I am. Translated today, we say Yahweh. He says, I am who I am. And that statement is a statement that Jesus goes on in John's discourse and claims to be Yahweh, God. My, my daughter, she's six, she came up to me and because my oldest son is talking about this, about Ramsey. And my daughter, she's six, she came up to me, she goes, she said, Daddy, she said, did you hear? I said, hear what? She said, did you hear about Moses going up to Pharaoh and telling Pharaoh that he's been diagnosed with letma? And I said, no. She goes, well, Moses went up to Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, I heard you've been diagnosed with letma. Pharaoh says, what's letma? And he goes, let my people go. And so anyway, I know it's corny, but when your six-year-old daughter does it, she goes, let my people go. It's, it's the cutest thing ever. So he has letma. And so Moses said, let my people go. It's time to come and get God's people. And we know God took him on a journey for 40 years in the wilderness, taking him to the promised land. We kind of walk through that. If that intrigues you, love for you to go back online and check it out. But Jesus, in the book of John, begins to make these statements. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the one who sustains you. Moses didn't provide for you manna from heaven in the, when you were in the wilderness for 40 years. I am the bread. If you will come to me, you will be sustained for all eternity. He says, I am the light of the world. 
You know how the Shekinah glory went at night in, in the desert and took you from place to place when you uh, left Egypt? He goes, I'm the light. I'm the one who will guide you. I will guide your path. I will share with you where you need to go. See, that's what I love about Jesus. If we just listen to Jesus and do what he tells, he will never lead us astray. When we're praying about, God, what college should I go to? God, should I marry this person? God, is this the job you want me to have? God, is this the time to, to buy that house? Is it time to go back to school or start that business or change? transfer jobs. God, I need you to guide me in this. He is the light who will guide. He's the lamp for our path, right? And the light for our feet. He will show us what he wants us to do. He says, I am the light. I am the light. And then he says, I'm the gate. I'm the one who allows people in or out. You only can come this way. I'm the gate. I'm the doorkeeper. I'm the good shepherd. I will take care of my sheep. I will provide for you. I will comfort you in times of need. I'm the one who will walk you through this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is not a way. He's not even the best way. He's the only way, the Bible says. And Jesus declared that, I am the way. And God made it so narrow so that we wouldn't miss it. So anyone can be part of it, and anyone can come in, and everyone gets in the same way, and that's through Jesus. Last week, we talked about, I am the resurrection and the life. Even though we may die or will die someday unless Jesus comes back, we, he will raise us up. He goes, I am the resident. I'm the one who gives you eternal life. I'm the one who will raise you from the dead, from your sins, and eventually from your body. Someday when you pass on, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I'm the one who will sustain this. And now we get to our very last I am statement. So if you, that was really quick, but if you wanna go back and watch them, obviously they're online. We'd love for you to continue to track with us through those things. And today in John chapter 15, Jesus makes the final I am statement that John writes. He makes several I am statements through John, but John seems to write uh, 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 according to these seven statements through his gospel. And so here's the last one in John chapter 15. I know if you've been around church before, you probably have heard this or read this passage. I've preached this passage before, uh, but not in the context of him making this one statement. So here we go, John chapter 15, verse one. If you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, y'all are energized this morning. I love it. You need extra hours sleep next week and then the next week, right? Come on, here we go. John 15, verse one. He said, here it is. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So here's the last one. I am the true vine. Now, I, we can stop right there. I, I don't take much to read into this. If there is something that is true, there means there must be something that is what? False. So for Jesus to make the statement, I'm the true vine, means he is contrasting that there has to be something that's false. There has to be something that could lead you astray. There has to be something that's not right. So Jesus stands and says, I am the true vine. Now, of course, we're not first century Jews. We're not living in the first century today. 2,000 years past, if we were at that time in this context and we heard the word vine, we automatically knew what Jesus was talking about. Because all through the Old Testament, the vine is the relationship between God and God's people. And God has set a vine. And how's this vine to go? And it was the, the people of God, it was the Israelites. And when you read through the scriptures, especially if you go to Psalms 80 or Isaiah chapter five, these are probably the two famous passages of talking about the vine. The vine was always in the context of judgment. It was always in the context of fruitlessness. 
It was saying, you Israel, listen, you are to be my people, my vine that bears fruit and you're unfruitful, you're unproductive, you're not producing anything in your life. Because if you remember in the beginning, God told Abraham, he went and said, I'm gonna give you all these people, it's gonna be numerous as the stars and all the worlds will worship and they will see that the one true God and you to be different. So I'm gonna set you apart so you will be different. So the world will know I am the one true God. And he says, you are the vine and you have been fruitless. And when you read the context, it's normally pronouncing of judgment or not of pleasing to the Lord. It's really a banner of failure. I've, I've created this vineyard. You are in the vineyard, but you are not producing any type of fruit. So if we were first century Jews and we heard Jesus say, I am the true vine, everything just flipped because I've been told my whole life as a little Jewish boy or a little Jewish girl that we're the vine of God and we're the, we're the fruit and God, we're God's chosen people and God's gonna do a great thing and continue to do that. And now Jesus said, wait, 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 you got this wrong. I'm the vine. I'm the true vine. I am what you cannot be. I can do what you cannot do apart from me. If you put it in the context, this is what Jesus would speak about. I can make things possible. You wanna be a fruitful nation, I'm the one who's gonna make you fruitful. Jesus already showed that he superseded the temple, which freaked them all out. He already showed them he superseded Moses, which was, whoa, how can you be greater than Moses? He's already showed that I supersede all the feasts of the tabernacles that you go through, and now he's showing I have superseded Israel, God's chosen people. I am the true vine, and if you will stay connected to me, you are gonna be able to bear this fruit. If you want fruit in your life, Israel, listen, if you want fruit in your life, people today, you have to stay connected. You have to be in Jesus. So he goes on with this illustration, verse two. Every branch in me, now please don't miss that, in me. Every branch that's connected, a picture of a tree or, or a branch or a fruit or a vine, everyone that's connected in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, there's been some you know, debate back and forth on this word, take away, and I'm not really to jump all into it, but the same Greek word also means to lift up. So when, you, when we read this in Greek, we're like, is he saying take away, like he takes it and breaks the branch off and he takes it away? Or is the, in the context lift up? Well, if you go back to first century, it's a vineyards and how they do today. If there was a branch that was fell to the ground and it was laying on the ground, it would have mildew, it would have mud, it'd have dirt. The, the, the vine dresser, the gardener would come by and he would lift up the branch. He would put a stone under the branch, the rock, to sow in what? He wants the branch to bear fruit. So the bend back and forth is Jesus saying like, God breaks the branch off and throws it away or, or does he come and he lifts the branch up, nourishes the branch so the branch can bear fruit. Remember, it's already in him, it's connected. And then the vineyard or the, the gardener would go to the, the ones who are producing fruit and then he would prune them. Listen, we have to be careful and not to get these two mixed up. We can't mistake pruning for punishment because a lot of times when we think we're being pruned, we think God's punishing us. God wants to prune you. You will be pruned for the rest of your life. That's why you'll go through season going, man, things are just great and, and good. And I mean, I mean, the, the, the family's good, my marriage is good. I mean, even my dog is obeying me, right? I got a psycho golden doodle, you know what I'm saying? I mean, even my dog is obeying. Like, life is just good. Like, you're just like at peace, and then all of a sudden there's, there's turmoil, or there's circumstances, or things happen, and crazy things in the world, or, or at home, or at work, and, and then you're like, God, what's up? What? 
I thought things were great, and now, and now I'm going through this trying time. And God's like, because I'm pruning you. I'm gonna cut back the fruit so that you can produce more fruit. So let's see how in the midst of the circumstances, let's see when I'm pruning you. Because here's what happens when we go through this time. God, why me? Why are you punishing me? I've been doing everything. I go to church. I read my Bible. I mean, come on. I drop a 20 in the bucket when it passes by. Am I not being on track? I mean, come on, God. What? And we think God's punishing us when really God is pruning us. And for his children, he prunes us. Why? It hurts. So that we will bear more fruit, that we will be fruitful in all that we do. Verse three. Now listen to what he says. He's speaking to the disciples. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken of you. He says, you're saved. You have been washed in the word. I've already spoken the word. You are saved. So listen, so abide in me, remain in me, stay connected to me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides to the vine, neither can you unless you, watch this, are abiding, remaining connected to me. I am the vine. There it is again. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is the one that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not connect with me, don't abide in me, remain me, then he's thrown away like a branch that's withered and the branches gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. I believe there's a picture of Ezekiel here going back to, don't have time to jump at that, the imagery there of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a, a, a branch or a stick that's just worthless and it's nothing really good for firewood for those who don't bear fruit. Because here at the end of the day, when you think about it, branches are powerless. Branch cannot produce fruit on their own. Have you ever walked by and, and just heard or listened to a branch trying to strain out fruit? You can laugh at that, that's funny, I know, because it's not, you can't, right? You don't hear that. Branches, they can't produce anything. They, they cannot do anything without staying connected to the tree. Have you ever just broke off a branch and, and, and watched leaves just bloom on it? Like, oh my gosh, how can it be doing? It's not connected to nothing. See, we have it in our mind. When we're not connected to Jesus, listen, we can't bear fruit. Fruit comes from a connection. And if you are not connected, you will not produce fruit. You will have no power with no connection, no productivity whatsoever. You've got to stay connected to Jesus. And what I love about this is fruit is a natural process. We try to do this on our own. We try to produce fruit on our own. We think, well, my talent, my craft, my ego, my skills, my intellect, who I am, my willpower, I can will fruit in my life. I can will self-control. I can will more patient, more being more kind, more loving. When really it just comes from abiding, staying connected to Jesus. Fruit trees do not strain. It's a natural process, which means this, you cannot do it on your own. And listen, let me tell you why somebody's so frustrated. It's because you're trying to live this Christian life on your own. You're trying to be loving on your own, more patient on your own, generous on your own. Listen to me. It's staying connected to Jesus that produced this fruit in my life and in your life. And there's no way you can do it on your own. The branch is useless apart from the vine. So Israel, listen, you, the reason why you can never done and please is because I am the missing link. I am the true vine. And through me, you're just a branch. You're just a branch. All you gotta do is stay connected. All you gotta do is abide and remain in me. And I will produce the fruit in your life. 
I'm the one that makes you more loving and more kind and have more self-control. I'm the one that puts these things in your life. If you, all you gotta do, listen, you don't have to stress, you don't have to strain, just stay connected to me. It is a natural success when you walk through this natural process, but in our life, it's a supernatural process as we stay connected to Jesus. So, at the end of the day, what are the benefits for me to stay connected to Jesus? If you think about it, I'm not talking about just coming to church. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're watching online. I'm not talking about just checking. Like, I'm talking about staying connected. to. I'm talking about, listen, Moses went up on the mountain to meet with God, and then he came back down and he shared with the people of God what God was saying. You know, that's great. That's awesome. But Jesus now has come that, watch this, that every one of us can now go up on the mountain. You can go up on the mountain and meet with God at any time you want. You are as close to God as you want to be. If you're determined that Pastor Daniel, go up on the mountain, meet with God, come back and digest the sermon and break the bread and share it with me, and that's all the nourishment I need. Listen, God has provided a way that all of us can enter into his throne, that all of us can go up on the mountaintop and meet with him. And let me tell you, that's when movements happen. Movements begin when the people of God go up on the mountain and meet with God. I've lost some of you right there, but I'm telling you, that's where you at. Listen, you can go. You don't have to just for me. Go up on the mountain and meet with the Lord and allow him to speak in your life. So what are some benefits if I stay connected to Jesus? Well, here's a few. I'm gonna walk these out, and then you can go get you some good food. All right, here we go. The first thing is this, and this was a big one for most of us, is that if we stay connected to Jesus, watch this, my prayers will be answered. You want answered prayers? You want God to answer your prayers? What are you praying about right now? What's your prayer life right now look like? What are you praying about? What are you talking to God about? You don't have to say it out loud. I'm just asking you a question in your mind. Like, what are you talking to God about right now? Do you want God to answer that prayer? Does God answer prayer? Some of you say, no, God don't answer prayer. God always answers prayer. Did you know that? God will always answer your prayer. It's either yes, no, or wait. He'll answer it. And then the question is, if it's not according to what you want, you gotta ask, you gotta peel back the layer of your heart and ask, why am I even asking God for this? Is it for selfish gain, selfish motives? Is it with a pure heart and pure motives? Is that what I'm asking God for? The scripture tells us in verse seven, look what it says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Does that mean God's a genie? That whatever I want, God will do for me? I can just like name it, claim it, and it's gonna happen? Like whatever I want, right? Whatever I want. Dear Lord, put a Cheddar's next to the church building. Can I get a witness? I'm claiming it right now. Y'all better pray every time you drive by there. Cheddar's right there, come on for days, right? Pray it, claim it. It's a pure motive. They got good prices, right? It's pure, <laughs> you know? Like, is that pure? But I mean, we laugh about things like that, but seriously, I mean, is that pure? Like, what are you praying for? God, bless me, bless me, bless me, help me, help me, help me. But if you peel back, what's the motives? For what reason? See, God looks at the heart. And here's what he's saying. If you'll stay connected to me, and in my words will stay connected to you, ask for everyone. Now, how can Jesus say something so bold? Because here's what Jesus knows about me and you. If I'm in Christ and connected to Christ and his words are connected to me and we're in this wonderful fellowship, relationship, guess what's gonna happen? The selfish things are gonna burn away. And my request will be pure request. 
be honoring God request. It'd be begging God to do things like save my neighbor, save my husband, save my spouse, save my coach, save my roommate. God, use me at school. God, use me at work. God, could you just make a way? And I don't care what college you want me to go to. Just put me in the one you want. I don't care what job you want me to Just put me where you want. I don't care what city I move to. Just take me to that city. As long as God is you can use me. God's like, I'll answer that one. You see, the closer I am with Jesus, the more the selfishness is burned away and the more it's gonna be kingdom mind, the kingdom heart, kingdom things that we're gonna be praying about. Not just bless me, bless me, bless me, give me, give me, give me, help me, help me, help me. Which honestly, me included, that's most of our prayer lives. We treat prayer like a spare tire. We only get it out when we have a blowout. And then we'll say things like this. Well, honey, all you can do now is pray. That's all you could have done in the first place is pray. Because he is the one who's in sovereign and is in complete control. And so he gives us a promise. This is a promise. You stay. It's a conditional promise to stay connected to me. My word's in you. You're fellowshipping with me. You focus on me. And watch this. Ask. And I will answer. See, that benefits every one of us because we all want God to answer our prayers. So we need to stay connected to Jesus. Here's another big big benefit of it is that when I stay connected to Jesus, watch this, my God, God gets glorified. Like my Lord, my Savior, my Father gets glorified by me just staying connected to him. And listen, let me tell you what God wants. God wants all the glory. Not because he's prideful, not because he's selfish, because he deserves it. He wants the glory. And he goes on and says in verse eight, by this my Father is what? Glorified that you bear fruit. When you bear fruit, guess who gets the glory for it? God. So, and when you do this, watch it. And so you prove to be my disciple. Did you hear that? Don't miss that. Fruit is evidence that you belong to Jesus. Is there any fruit bearing from your life? If we're not bearing fruit, we have to ask, are we even connected to Jesus? Because when we bear fruit, watch this, it proves I'm a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and my Father, my God, gets all the glory for it. So when people see the fruit in my life, they're like, man, what a great God. Dude, look at her. She's just, man, God's using, God would get the glory for it, not individual. That's why we've been praying literally since December. I've never forget this, 2006. In a little farmhouse upstairs in this one little room begging God, I said, God, would you do something so big that only you can get the glory for it, only you can get the credit? God, do something so big that only you can get the glory for it. And that's what we've been praying and asking God to do in this region. God, you do something, only you can get the glory for it. And that comes, watch this, when we bear fruit and stay connected, we'll prove we're followers of Jesus and he would get the glory for it. So what are some of the fruit? Because some of you who question, you might say, okay, well, how do I know if I'm bearing fruit? What's fruit? Define fruit for me. Well, the Bible talks about several things of fruit. One big one is the fruit of repentance. John the Baptist pointed to the religious people, the Pharisees, and says, you are not bearing any fruit from repentance. Let's see that you truly repented of your sin. How do you know you truly repented of a sin? You quit doing it. See, repentance is this. Here's the simple. And you don't just repent one time. Yes, I did. September the 2nd, 1997, and gave my life to Jesus. I repented, and what happens? I turned my mind towards Christ, which turned my heart towards Christ, which turns my feet towards Christ, which means I followed after him. 
This is the battlefield. This is what the enemy wants. To repent means to turn your mind. It means to change your mind. So I'm going to repent. So if I'm in a sin in my life, I don't wanna do that sin anymore. I want to change what I'm thinking about that. Because the reality is you love the sin more than you love God. That's for all of us. The, James says, you and me included, the reason why we sin is because we choose to. The devil didn't make you do it. Your spouse didn't make you do it. Your boss didn't make you do it. We choose to. It's in us. So I got to repent. I got to turn my mind. That's why the Bible says, think on things that are true, honorable, noble, pure, righteous. Because where my mind is, my heart will be. Where my heart will be, my actions will be. So I want to turn my mind and my Feelings follow thoughts which shifts my heart, which shifts my feet. That's why I don't go there no more. I don't do that no more. I don't say that no more. I don't watch that no more. Why? Because I've turned my mind towards Christ. That's repentance. So there's a fruit in repentance. Is your life bearing fruit from repentance? I've turned from that. I've given evidence that I've broke that sin in my life. Where it's an addiction, porn issue, lust issue, a gossip issue, whatever it is, I have shifted, I've repented, and now there's fruit from it. There's the fruit of repentance. There's also the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. I'll put this on the screen. But the fruit of the Spirit, notice that it's not plural. This is all one. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, do you see all that? Leave it on the screen just for a moment. There's love. Am I bearing more love in my life? Am I more loving now than I was a year ago? Am I more loving now than I was a month ago? Am I bearing joy? Am I at peace? Am I more patient now? Is there any, I'm a little bit kinder, right? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It's a big fancy word called sanctification. Am I, am I walking in faithfulness? Am I a little bit more gentle now with the people around me? Do you see this? Because when I stay connected with Jesus, guess what, sir? My anger issue begins to dissipate. Ma'am, I'm a little bit more patient with my husband now because I'm staying connected. You see that these are fruit in your life that you can look back and examine. Am I producing more love and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Or I've always had an anger issue and it's always been. No, you don't have to always be that. You need to get connected, sir. Because if I'm connected, he promises me, now I don't have to try to go, listen, leave this up for a month. I don't have to go, I gotta be more loving, gotta be more loving, come on, produce love. Come on, be, do it. That's what a branch, see, that's what we try to do. I, I gotta have more peace, and it's up to me to be peaceful, so I gotta, I gotta, I gotta strain it out, or I gotta be kinder, or, 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 or good, or I gotta be gentle. Okay, how, okay, help me be gentle, I gotta be more gentle. Self-will, self, be gentle, be gentle, be gentle. You see, what, this is what Jesus said, you are useless by yourself. You are trying to produce fruit on your own. Stop it. Just get connected with me. Just stay fellowshipping with me. Just your words and my words, and we're in it together. Stay fellowshipping. And guess what? Guess what? You'll start seeing fruit bear from Oh my gosh, I'm a little bit more patient with my children. I'm a bit more kinder towards my husband. I'm not as angry now when I come home from work. I'm a little bit better husband. I, you know what? I, I look at the world differently now. I, I got a little bit more love, not hatred. I don't judge as much as anymore because now my heart's broken. Where's this fruit coming from? You see, the branch can't do it on its own. But we try to do it on our own, and that's why you're so frustrated. And Jesus says, just stay connected, bro. Just abide in me. Another fruit that we see in the scripture is the fruit of, of bringing people to Jesus. Paul talks about the fruitful ministry, how the people are being saved. Look at the fruit from the work of the ministry. 
So another fruit that we could bear is bringing people to Jesus, inviting people to Jesus, sharing people about Jesus. That is evidence of fruit. And the other fruit Paul talks about too is ministering to other people. When you begin to serve other people, you, you are bearing fruit and you're showing uh, the servant attitude. And we all have a chance to serve people all around us. Everywhere we go, there's people in need. There's, there will always be enough need. It'll never run out. There's always opportunities to serve. Find places to jump in and serve. Find maybe a, a, a place where you can serve here and, and as we can serve the community and, and, and serve. These are fruits. So if we look by that, there's the fruit of repentance and, and the, the fruit of the Spirit and then there's the fruit of seeing people come to Jesus, the fruit of serving. And all this, watch this, all this is what God says. When I see people saved and I see a little bit more loving and I see a little bit more patient and all of a sudden I see that you're serving people and I see that you've repented and now you broke that addiction and you're no longer gossiping at work behind other ladies' back and, and I see that in you, guess what? I get the glory for it. Not like, hey, pat me on the back. I'm a little bit better than I was last year. I'm just a dumb branch who's useless without the trunk, without the vine. God said, I'll get the glory for that if you'll just remain in me. Here's another one. Third thing is that my love increases. And honestly, I think this is one of the probably the biggest thing. Here's where we're gonna get practical. Here's where we're gonna get practical. Pray for me, I got six minutes. I've not even had a cup of coffee yet. Here we go. Here's where we're gonna get practical. My love increases. Look what verse nine says. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Jesus says, the reason I love you, because the Father, as the Father loves me unconditionally, I'm the Son. I love you the same way, unconditionally. So I've loved you. So here it is, abide, remain, stay connected in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, this is, I'm gonna be really honest with you, probably for, I've been in full-time ministry now for almost 20 years, ministry for the last 22 years. And then back in probably 2002, I went through this little study uh, talking about abiding. And I really cannot really grasp, how do you do it? I'm saved. I've given my life to Jesus. How do I say, how do, he, you're clean, because the word I've spoken, remember that? He's talking to the disciples. But then he says, but stay in me, stay connected to me. How do you do that? And I was like, well, pray, read your Bible, go to church, be generous. Now, I, you know, all those steps I would tell you to say, stay connected, get in the Bible. Okay, that's good. Pray, fast, go to church, all these things. But then, it started really setting in as I begin to walk this out in my life, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. So the reason I don't obey Jesus, watch this, is because you got a love problem. Because I don't love him. Oh yeah, yeah, I love him. Thank you for giving my sins, taking me to heaven, okay, blah, 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 blah. But really my affection for you is not really there. So the, that's the reason why I don't Obey. Now, don't miss the context. If you wanna stay connected, here it is, watch this, be obedient. You've gotta obey me. Staying remaining is obeying my commands, obeying my word, obey me. Continue to unpack that, Jesus says, if you obey me, it's because you love me. And if you don't love me, then you will not obey me. 
So now we see this love cycle. We see this abiding, obey, love cycle over and over. Abiding equals obeying, obeying equals loving, which means abiding starts with loving. Let me tell you right here, this, I'm telling you, practical. You wanna stay connected to Jesus? Fall in love with Jesus. And I'm gonna be really, really honest with you. I think the big C church in here in America, I can't speak for the world because we're seeing revival break out all over third world countries, all over in China where it's illegal, illegal to do what we do. People are getting saved daily, seconds, thousands of people, but not here in the States. Missionaries are coming from other countries to the States because now this is the mission field. Do y'all know that? They used to come, how do y'all do it in America? And let's do it over here. Now they're coming over here because they see the lostness. The Big C Church in America has fell out of love with Jesus. We have lost and left our first love. We're so consumer-minded. The church has to meet my needs. They gotta meet this, this, and this. I don't like this, I don't like that. We made it all about, I don't like the guitar, a guy wears jeans, and I don't like the lights, or I stop my music. We're so immature. The bigs, we're so immature. And we wonder why we don't bear no fruit. It's because we don't love him. There's a church in the book of Revelations who fell in love with Jesus. They had great doctrine, great teaching, great theology. But Jesus says, I have this against you. You've got the award. When it comes to the church, you're the church. But I got this one thing against you. You've left your first love. And you know what he says? Repent, and then redo what you know what you should be doing. Let me tell you why you don't read your Bible, because you don't love Jesus. Let me tell you why you don't pray, because you're not in love with Jesus. Let me tell you why you don't come fellowship with the church. You're not in love with Jesus. That's hard, but that's reality. We gotta wake up, because he says this, if you love me, you will obey me. If you obey me, you will abide, and if you abide in me, ask whatever you want. God will get glory. Your affection and your love will increase for me. How? With this one thing, fall in love with Jesus. And you know what we need to do? We need to repent and redo what we know we used to. That's why you see somebody get saved and they're so in love with Jesus, they're reading their Bible. I mean, they'll witness to this stand here. They can't even get saved, but they'll witness to it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they don't care to tell people, I've been lost and I've been found. And then life sets in and pruning begins and they think pruning is now punishment and now their thoughts towards God might be different and heartache happens and like, I just don't know if, yeah, thank you Jesus for saving me. I'll come to you when I need you. I'm sick, family issues, marital issues, job issues, life issues, but till then, we just don't love him. So here's your application. Will you begin to put things in your life that will stir and begin to do things that will stir your affection for Jesus. Because if we took an examine of our life, a lot of things that we do really don't stir our affection for Jesus. And if we will stir our affection with Jesus, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, this is so important. If we will stir our love for Jesus, love will straighten out our obedience. And then our obedience will keep us connected. And then all these benefits of fruit bearing. So what do you gotta do as a branch? Love him. 
fall in love with Jesus. And he will produce the fruit in your life. And then lastly, verse 11, the things I've spoken to you, this is why. These things I've spoken, here's the why. What's the why? Here it is, watch this. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Here's the last one for my body, that my joy will overflow. That my joy will just overflow. And when people see, when the world sees true branches who are bearing fruit, overflowing with joy in the midst of chaos and uncertainty and fear and depression and everything that's taken over the world, they'll stand back and go, why are they so different? And they'll see the fruit from your life. And guess who gets the glory for it? God does. All from Jesus going, I can do what you cannot do and I can produce in you what you cannot produce. I am the true vine. There's all these false vines out here you're trying to stay connected to that you think is gonna fill you up and produce all this fruit in life. That's all false. Listen, I am the true vine. Stay connected to me by loving me, obeying me, and abiding in me. And watch this, watch this. I will produce this fruit in your life. And my Father will get glory for it. I don't know about you, but that stirs me to try to be the best branch I could be and just stay connected. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. Two invitations, real quick. First one, to believers. You're in Christ. You're not bearing a lot of fruit. Jesus, if you notice in the context, there's some who bear fruit, more fruit, and then much fruit. It doesn't make you better than anybody else because you have more fruit than somebody else. That's not the issue. But maybe right now as a believer, here's what you need, you need to repent. And say, Jesus, I've left my first love. And I want to stay connected to you. And I want to fall in love with you all over again. Stir my, stir my heart for you. Remember, repent means to turn your mind, it turns your heart, it turns your feet, change your actions. Second invitation, you're here, you know of Jesus, maybe know about Jesus, but you never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And he wants to graft you into the vine. <laughs> he wants to graft you into the family of God. He wants to clean all the dirt, the muck, and the mire of your life, forgive you of all your sin, connect you to the family, to Jesus, so you will produce fruit. And watch this, it is your choice. And so I beg you, whether you're watching online or at our Grayson campus or Mori campus, I beg you right now, please give your life to Jesus. Right where you said, you could cry out to him and say, Jesus, I believe you are the true vine. I believe you came for me and I believe you died for me and I believe you got up out of the grave for me. Come on, fat you, pray it with me. And today, as best as I know how, I repent of my sin. Now help me 
fall in love with you, abide in you for the rest of my life. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you how relevant it is today. Father, stir our hearts for you. May everyone here today fall in love with you. Remember what you've done for us. You died for us. You sent your son for us. You cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Oh, how we've taken our eyes off of you. Father, we repent and we turn back to you. And I pray, Lord, over time as you continue to prune that, Lord, that your church will bear fruit all over the world and that people all over the world will be saved because the fruits that's being bared from your people. Thank you, Jesus, for being the true vine. For it's your name we ask and we pray. Amen.